Welcome, race fans and beer drinkers. You're listening to the Lug Nuts and Beer podcast. I'm Tom Crilly, joined by my co-host, Dylan Flickinger. All I can say about that race today is thank God for MRN Radio, because that's the only way I got to enjoy the uh, the We Paint Winners 400 at Pocono while I was at work. Uh, I'm sure my co-workers loved hearing that between the hours of 12 and 4 today. <laughs> How's life in the Carolinas treating you, treating you today, buddy? Oh, it's going well. This is one of the few times where me working at night has actually benefited this podcast, because I I got to see the entire race today, so... While you were at work listening to it on the radio, I was sitting at home enjoying it like it was a Sunday afternoon. Let me just tell you, I was so unbelievably stressed out for those final 30 laps just sitting at my desk. Just like I I started sweating, man. Sweating. Just I was hot for the rest of the day. Yeah, I couldn't cool down for the whole rest of the work day. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, at least you had that to get you through a Monday. You know, you. I'm yeah. sure all morning you were just looking forward to it, thinking about it, and then it actually came, and your entire afternoon was consumed by some good old racing. Yeah, I'm not sure what I was thinking because in my head I was like, yeah, this will be great. It'll be great background noise. It'll be something just to get me through the day, and it's like I completely forgot about how irrationally stressed out I get at the end of a race, and like it wasn't even going to be an issue, but man, now I know why I usually watch most races alone. Right. And you just well, especially <laughs> especially when Dale is is running up front. I mean, I can imagine you were yeah. I'm sure you were sweating some bullets over there. Uh, well, I know. I thought it looked like for a little while there he was going to maybe get his first win in the season, and then even without that, I mean, you have no idea who's going to be able to make it on fuel. I mean, I remember the last race we had at Pocono uh, back in August. Shortly before the chase began, it was either July or August, whenever that second Pocono race is, but it was a fuel mileage race as well, and drivers were running out of gas to come to the finish line. I could be mistaken, but I think that was the race when Kyle Busch was trying to go for four wins in a row, and he ran out of gas on the last lap or second to last lap or something like that. Yep, I'm pretty certain you're exactly right. Um, But let me just say real quick that MRN Radio, I don't really ever get a chance to listen to it, and I know you commented commented on it in a podcast earlier this year, but they do a fantastic job, and I know that there are many people across the country today who was very grateful for their service and what they do and the fact that you could find it very easily online because they were, they were lifesavers today. That's good, man. We drove right past their headquarters when you were down here a week ago. We did, and next time we drive by, I'm going to stop in and thank those gents. <laughs> thank them in person. Bring them a nice fruit, <laughs> fruit basket. Uh, yeah, we like I said, I'm I'm sure the people in my office were. I I they didn't say anything, so I just rolled with it. You know, <laughs> that's good. As I long could, as long as they don't confront you, they probably don't have an issue with it. So it's I I could have plugged headphones in, but I just didn't. So. <laughs> didn't just let the whole office hear the race good for you yeah that's good for nascar tom way to do your part right well i was giving him an education <laughs> that's yes you gonna learn <laughs> you gonna learn today about some nascar <laughs> that's right uh so, <laughs> so what beer are you drinking buddy i am over here drinking a beer that only about three people in the entire world have tasted it is Bonson. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's Bonson Brew. It is 
my the beer I brewed myself at my work. It's um, an American Amber Ale, and besides that, I can't tell you much about it other than it came, <laughs> <laughs> it came from a kit about a month ago, and here it is, and and all its glory all right, and liquefied right, well, form. Well, now that you're getting into the the homebrew mm-hmm. activities and hobbies why don't why don't you tell us what the most difficult part is or what the trickiest part to perfect yeah. or get right is the trickiest part to get right is sanitizing everything man I, I so as i was making this beer i was also reading a book called the complete joys of homebrewing and i can't tell you <laughs> how many by martha t- stewart <laughs> by martha <laughs> She she wrote it in her time it, it, in the clink, but um, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times in this book it was like I can't everything else he would be like okay do this step and then have a homebrew and just relax it's cool and he he literally said that probably five hundred times in this book have a homebrew and um, but when it came to sanitizing this guy was dead serious and that you have to sanitize everything so i'm walking around with like rubber gloves on i don't even know why i was wearing rubber gloves my hands were clean. you're feeling like you're feeling like walter white up in there <laughs> yeah oh yeah definitely so that was probably the most difficult part and then after that it was just waiting for the last 2 weeks i bottled it about mm, two and a half weeks ago now and you're supposed to wait two weeks after you bottle it to brew it. And I just wanted to try it, man. Um, but a few nights ago, uh, the master brewer for Foothills Brewery um, came into the bar. And it was the very night that like we hit two weeks that it had been bottled. And Foothills is a brewery right here that's headquartered in Winston-Salem. Um, really, really good beer. And this guy sat down with me and our chef at the restaurant I work at. And we cracked open some bottles, and I didn't know what to expect. I wasn't sure if it was going to be any good. It could be awful, because um, I've heard a lot of people say that the first time they do it, it's pretty. Just if you if you get something that's drinkable, you've succeeded. But um, more times than not, it comes out just not the way you wanted it. But I've and. I can say this completely honestly that this is a good beer. Like it's not, hmm. it's not nothing exceptional. Like everyone around the world has to drink it, but it's good. Like I, I definitely drink it. And the dude from Foothills said the same thing. He couldn't. He didn't believe me when I told him that's the first time I'd ever made beer, and <laughs> he he liked it. So I consider that. Uh, I think I'm a master brewer now. Right, I think I think what you're saying is you definitely have a future as a beer brewer. Mm-hmm. If this whole podcast thing doesn't work out, that's that's my next endeavor. It's it's good to have a backup plan, you know. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> don't want to put all my eggs in one basket with the podcast. <laughs> Just leave leave one out for the home brewing, but right. yeah. So and we named it Bonson Brew is what we're calling it Bonson Brew because the restaurant that I work in the old it's actually an old house from like the early 1920s and it was owned by um someone oh, what's his last name. Or what's his first name? I can't remember. But his last name is Bonson. So Bonson Brew. And hmm. this is what it is. But 
Well, yeah. one, one day in the future, maybe it'll be the um, premier sponsor of the Lug Nuts and Beer podcast. That's right. That <laughs> when we're sponsoring a car, it's just going to have Mr. Bonson's Agnes. <laughs> Agnes Bonson, that's his name. It's going to have Agnes's face right on the hood of that car. So, Yeah, man, that's what I'm drinking. What are you drinking over there? Well, I am drinking a Bell's Lager beer. It's a beer brewed in Michigan, and I know that for us native Ohio Gross. folk, Michigan is a cuss word. Mm-hmm. I understand that, the state up north. That's um, right. But I enjoy Bell's, uh, Bell's beer. I remember that I've had, uh, I think, Bell's Two-Hearted Ale on this podcast before, and I saw that they had a lager out in the store that I went to. So, I mean, I've been really into lagers lately as it is, so I gave it a shot, and it's a great beer. I'd recommend it. Nice. Nice. But obviously, obviously, though, Great Lakes uh, first, you know, you got to go with the Ohio beer, not the Michigan beer at all possible. Yeah. Everything is better in Ohio. I just I saw a funny T-shirt tonight that said on a on a quiet night in Ohio, you can hear the cry of Wolverines. And I thought that was pretty good. (laughs) I thought that was pretty good. You can also hear the cry of sad Cleveland Cavaliers fans. Oh, man. I'm thankful we did not podcast last night because the— I wouldn't have been able to do it. The level of mess that my life was last night after that game was just through the roof. Honestly, I was just more pissed off than anything. I wasn't even sad or upset like I was—you know, I wasn't depressed like I was after the first game. I was just pissed off. They quit, man. They did, but— that's neither here nor there. Oh, it's here. It's here. But, <laughs> but, but we're here to talk about NASCAR. So uh, That's right. We'll save our sorrows for the bottom of these beers. <laughs> uh, I do want to give a quick shout out just very briefly to my girlfriend. I am keeping this beer, this Bell's Beer, icy cold with our brand new Lug Nuts and Beer koozies that she made for us. I know I haven't given you yours yet. I still have it, and I, I got to mail it to you, but... It's a pretty uh, a pretty kick-ass koozie. It's our first bit of branded merchandise. I'm so excited for that koozie. I, a little-known fact about me is that, and I don't know how all this started, but I collect koozies now. And I just have this feeling from like different races, different places I travel, just an easy thing to grab. But this koozie is going to be the koozie that reigns over all koozies. I'm going to put it on all my beers, and I just can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. That's right. Got to rep the podcast, and uh, I'm sure it's going to – it's thick, man. It's a quality koozie. Good. And you know your, you know your koozies. You are like the, the <laughs> king koozie expert, so I'm excited to hear what you have to say about it. That's right. In case – He wasn't, he wasn't case, kidding, people. He's got an entire bucket, a gigantic bucket full of koozies. It, it used to be fun to collect them. It's gotten to the point now where it's more of a pain. I look for a koozie, <laughs> and I my choices are so many that – it's hard to narrow it down, but yeah, that's we we should tweet out a picture of that and see how many people, probably probably thousands of people want them as well. So, <laughs> so you're saying the hobby became the obligation with <laughs> collecting koozies? That's right. That's right. The hobby, the hobby became the obligation. Exactly right. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, listen, we are 11 and a half minutes into this, and we haven't, we've hardly spoken a lick of NASCAR talk. So let's get right into it, shall we? Here we go. Buckle up. All right. So I think for me, 
I guess the big storyline of the We Paint Winners 400, first of all, was what a miserable race weekend it was for all the fans. I've been a part of those weekends before where you go and you're all amped up for the race and it just rains all weekend long. On qualifying on Friday, there was a threat of rain. Uh, One of the practice sessions, I believe, got rained out. The Xfinity Series race made it just past halfway and then it got rained out. And, I mean, there was just no hope at all to race on Sunday because it was storming and raining all day long in the Poconos. So, ultimately, it became the first Monday race since April 2014, which I think was a race at Texas Motor Speedway that got postponed to Monday. So, you always hate to see that sort of weekend for the fans just because it's a bummer. They all spent a lot of money for it. They've all been, for the most part, looking forward to this race for a long time. And then a lot of them had to go home without even seeing the race. Is that's what I was going to ask you. And since you've been a part of it, is that what happens? Like, do people call out from work the next day or is it just kind of like, well, that sucks. Well, we got to, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm obviously some people call out from work the next day, but a lot can't, I mean, a lot have obligations for the next day, whether it's, you know, family, kids, work, just other responsibilities or commitments. So, I mean, that's why a lot of times on rain-delayed races, you'll see the fans or the stands really not full at all. Yeah, and that it kind of looked that way today, truthfully, but that's the way it goes sometimes. We've lucked out big time this year. This is the first time we've really experienced that. I mean, Texas was kind of wet and had had some delays with that but we got it all in and managed to get it in that night but yeah Yeah, i'm sure that's a hassle yeah well i mean think about it even for me the last two races i've been at people didn't think there was any chance that they were going to get the race at talladega in and somehow they did it just didn't rain and then we went to the coke 600 last weekend and it looked like it was gonna gonna rain there too and the storms just went around us so nascar's kind of been lucky but it finally caught up to him this week yeah, unfortunately, but the weather was beautiful today. We got to see a pretty good race. It was, Yeah, it was. A lot of cautions, I felt like, for a race at Pocono. Uh, I think then, aside from the weather, the other big story was just the misfortune for some of the stars of the sport. If you look at what happened in the race today, a lot of the stars had a lot of bad luck. I mean, just briefly running through the list, Brad Keselowski started on the pool, had an unapproved Uh, body modification during a pit stop, which I know was a source of a lot of controversy, uh, but he had to serve a pass-through penalty for that. Uh, Joey Logano got hit by Ryan Newman. Newman was a little ticked at him and ended up rallying for a good finish, but had his work cut out for him. Uh, Harvick had a speeding penalty and a couple inopportune cautions uh, that fell at just the wrong time for him. You look at Jimmy Johnson was having a great race. He spun out, hit the wall. Kyle Busch hit the wall. Tony Stewart wrecked and collected Danica Patrick. And Martin Truex Jr., last week's winner and the defending champion of this race, uh, had pit contact with Matt Benedetto. So, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of names, man. A lot of big stars right there. Yeah, a lot of those guys who run up front were having problems. I mean, it, that was just the common theme throughout the day. And I want to go back, and I don't know if you intend to talk about it a little more, but Brad Keselowski's mishap. He had a fast car, man. And I don't know if you know a member of his crew chief was ma- or his crew team was making that car faster with the shoulder slam he gave to the side of the car. But that was <laughs> that was interesting. And I haven't I don't know if I've ever seen that, truthfully. Um, maybe not 
I don't know if I've ever seen that called, is what I should say, by NASCAR and pointed out and penalized. So that for me was definitely an interesting situation. Yeah, I think, and you're right, I think it is more of a recent rule. There have been, maybe even this year, NASCAR said they were going to start penalizing teams for that. I don't know if you remember, a couple years ago there, the Penske teams were kind of the first cars to um, discover that if you pulled that right rear, uh, like, uh, sheet metal right out by the tire well on the right rear tire mm. that it would create some side force and that would allow you to kind of lean on the car more in the turns and essentially make your car faster and they were the first cars that figured that out and all of a sudden all these other teams caught on well on their first pit stop they're pulling out these these little pieces of sheet metal making them look like wings out there and so all the other cars started to do it and it looked ridiculous so nascar put a stop to it and said you can't do that anymore and I, it looks like they kind of found another way to make it happen a little bit by having the, the uh, one of the pit crew guys kind of jam his shoulder in right there and make it jut out a little bit. I mean, is that what happened? I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't watching it on TV. So that I didn't was exactly get what to happened. See it. Yeah, the guy, the, um, the jack man uh, put the jack the car up. And as soon as he did that, he also like simultaneously just kind of like a linebacker, like wrapping up. Uh, wide receiver across the middle of the field just slammed his entire shoulder and body into the side of the car and clearly dented it in. Mm. And it wasn't a big deal, but then I thought it was funny. The commentators made the point that there are so many eyes in the sky now for NASCAR that it's not simply an official standing beside a pit box and saying, oh, hey, you can't do that. They, there's just cameras everywhere. And it, it right. it's so hard to get away with any of that. And I I don't know if you saw or read that um, after the race, or well, I think it was initially brought up during the race, uh, Jeff Gordon in the uh, press box was saying that not that's not a one-time thing, that that's been going on specifically with Brad Keselowski for, I don't know if it happens every week, but the point that he made uh, brought up was Las Vegas, which, if mm -hmm. you remember, is the race that he won. So right. I know uh, Brad was a little butthurt about that, but it's true. <laughs> it's true. You, I have the I have the exact quote here. Do you, should I read it? Read it. This is what Brad K said about Jeff Gordon after the race. This was on Gordon mentioning the incident at Las Vegas and how he may be a repeat offender. Kozlowski said. They need to get some people in the booth who aren't inbred to the sport and own teams and have internal knowledge because that's pretty crappy. So Brad was obviously a little upset that they got caught, but the, the bottom of the line is, or bottom line is, you you did get caught. And I don't have any problem with teams trying to find a competitive advantage. I nope. think that's all just in the. That's the sport of it. That's trying to find a way to win and, and, and bend the rules. And I'm I'm fine with that. I mean, there's an old saying in NASCAR, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. I'm okay with that. But if you get caught, you got to pay the price and you got you to gotta own up to it. Right. And it's not like anyone's going to go back to uh, Brad's win at Vegas and say, well, that shouldn't be a win because you did that or anything. It's like, right. dude, you did it once. You got away with it. You've probably done it a hundred other times and no one said anything, but... You got in trouble once, so fix it, find a new way, or don't do it. Oh, yeah, and there's definitely a faction of, of the fan base, though, that will 
say that Brad Kozlowski and, and his team, they're cheaters now. I don't know if you recall, but for a long, long time, people would would troll Jimmy Johnson just by saying he and Chad Knauss are, are cheaters because there was a stretch there years ago where they got busted for a few different things and Chad Knauss got suspended a time or two. And so people tried to downplay all of his accomplishments just by saying that Jimmy Johnson is a cheater. Well, obviously that's that's not the case. They were just a great team, but being caught for something like this can have lasting effects. Uh, it can it can leave s- sort of something that follows you along for weeks, months, years to come. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Right. Yeah, and truthfully, for me personally, I don't know how you feel, but it's it's not a big deal. I mean, look, we just had like three drivers this week who were who. Uh, their crew chiefs were suspended because of stuff that happened at Charlotte with lug nuts or whatever. It's hard for me to believe when you see headlines almost every single week saying, oh, uh, Dale Jr.'s team has received their fourth warning about in, about rule infractions. Like, if you're getting doing stuff like getting suspended or getting penalized by NASCAR, it's usually, unless it's pretty obvious or major, it's been going on for a while. So... It's just, it's not a big deal, and if there's people out there going to be in an uproar over it, I say get over it, and I, maybe it's just because I'm so on board with you, but I, I always go back to the saying that you say, if you, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. This might not be a popular opinion, but I felt the same way about Deflategate with the New England Patriots. I have no idea if they actually were intentionally deflating footballs or not, but if they were, and they were able to get away with it for all season or for years, good for them. Find a way to get a competitive advantage. You know, I don't have a problem with things like that. You, you right. do what you can t- to get an edge. And I know a lot of people disagree with that, but I mean, you got to find a way you got to, you got to do something. Like I yeah. said, if, there's that old saying, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. So, right. I, yeah, that's a whole different, Oh gosh. But, yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> Did I open a can of worms there? I Well, my whole thing with that situation is that the Broncos had to play with the exact same footballs that the Patriots did. And unless the Patriots had been practicing with those same footballs for an entire year, which maybe they had. Maybe I'm just oblivious to that whole situation. But you played the game with the same balls and you just got your butt beat. And then afterwards, your, your feelings were hurt about it. And that whole thing blew up. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm there. Well, they were they yeah, they were actually playing the Colts and that was in one oh, of the one of the playoff games. I met Colts. But but even after they they got they found out about those balls right at halftime and then it was a close game then and right after halftime when they had the right balls the New England Patriots stomped the Indianapolis Colts with the properly inflated ball. So I think it was all kind of a non-story. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> anyway, anyways, we're talking about the Patriots and the Colts. Oh, wow. <laughs> we've we've talked about the Cavs, the Patriots, <laughs> the Colts, NASCAR. <laughs> we haven't we haven't had a podcast in a few weeks, so we're just covering all our bases tonight. I know we really are. All right, so um, this race right here was the first time that a Chevy has won since Jimmy Johnson won at Auto Club Speedway in California on March twentieth. That is insane. Wow. I that's a good little stat you got there. I didn't know that. And I mean it's shocking. That's that's telling, very telling of the Toyota dominance because it hasn't been 
the Fords who have been winning all of those races in the interim. It's been the Toyotas. So, yep. I th- I, th- I thought uh, I thought that was interesting. And as I'm sitting here looking at the results, something else that I think may be going overlooked here is that it's too early to tell, but this race was a really good sign for Team Hendrick. Look at where they finished. I mean, Dale Earnhardt Jr. uh, finished second. Chase Elliott led a lot of the race, looked like he was going to win, and finished fourth. Casey Kane finished sixth, and Jimmy Johnson was having a great race running in or around the top five for most of it before he ultimately got uh, wrecked out close to the end. So it's a little too early to say they're back, but that's that's a good sign, if you ask me. That's something to take away from this weekend for that team. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, and I I think part of that goes back to just kind of a kick in the butt like Dale Earnhardt has talked about the last couple of weeks and just saying we need that spark. We need guys in the garage who our focus can't be just on Sundays. Our focus has to – we have to bring it every single day, and yeah, I think think you're right. I think it's paying off. Um, So they're – this is also the first race all season long that a Toyota did not finish in the top five. Hmm. It's, wow. I mean, that that there is a testament to their domination. I mean, we've been talking about it all year, uh, so it's definitely a change to not see one of those names up there. Um, but overall, after this race, we now the past two weeks we've had new winners and we now have nine winners in the first 14 races. So if you look at each season, there's really only around, I don't know what, around 12 people, 12 mm-hmm. different drivers who win a race in an entire season. So that means that there's already been nine. There's probably only going to be three more unique winners this year unless you know something crazy happens at the last daytona or talladega race or something crazy happens at a road course or there's some sort of rain shortened race where it just depends on who is in the lead at the right time but you usually see by this point the the teams that have won are either going to be the teams that keep winning or the teams that have run strong and haven't won will be teams who can grab a win here through the summer and into the fall but I don't know. I mean, I think I think the season is kind of unfolding here before us as we're a third of the way through it now, over a third of the way through it. Yeah, definitely. Those names that we're growing accustomed to seeing at the top of the leaderboard are starting to collect those wins and punch their ticket to the chase. We had two guys out front today, one and two, both who were you know, looking to get that first win of the season. But um, ultimately, Kurt Busch prevailed. Yeah, well, and if you look at who hasn't won, there are really only two names left on the list where it's kind of like, huh, those are, you know, big name drivers who don't have a win yet. And obviously the first is Dale Earnhardt Jr. But one that might be surprising that maybe people forgot haven't won a race yet is Joey Logano. He has not won a race yet this year. He he won the all-star race a few weeks back, but that doesn't count as an actual race win or for a chase spot. It's kind of more of an exhibition race. Uh, so that's interesting to me. And also you could probably throw Chase Elliott in there too. I mean, he's a rookie. So I think the expectations aren't for him, aren't where some of the other drivers are, but he's, he has been running very well. Yeah. And he, I feel like he's just getting better as the season goes on too and getting more comfortable in that car and, and learning it. 
I would not be at all surprised to see him win a race before the chase, to be honest with you. I thought it was going to be today. Watching that race all day and just kind of seeing how the top five were running and unfold the way things were unfolding, I thought for sure he was he was going to win the race and today was going to be the day. But Kurt Busch, man, another guy who you look at the season as a whole, and I, I think he deserved to win. And yeah. let me just read you this uh, – Tweet from Matt Willis um, on Twitter. Uh, Kurt Busch ranks first in the series with 12 top 10s, 4,464 laps run, which is every single lap this season, and is second uh, with an average of 8.4 finish this season. So, wow. It, it was just, and I've been kind of thinking that over the course of the last month. Um, He's just a guy who's been kind of lurking, and I felt like it was just yeah. a matter of time. But with his crew chief out today, I definitely didn't think that this was the week that he was going to break through and secure a win. But yeah, Kurt Busch has been has been kind of quietly killing it. I mean, he usually plays second fiddle in that shop to his teammate Kevin Harvick, and everybody's been playing second fiddle to the Toyotas this year. But yeah, I mean, I mean. You said that was his 12th top 10 finish this year. There's only been 14 races. There's only been two races that guy hasn't finished in the top 10. I mean, that's that's an impressive start to the season. Especially without his crew chief. Like, that to me is, and I think he said after the race in his post-race interview, how much of a testament that is to um, his crew chief. What's, what's his name? I don't have it in front of me. Uh, Slugger Labby? That's right. I well is that is that no, it? I don't Tony, think that's t- it. T- t- it's Tony Gibson. That's right. Yeah, and just what a testament that is to him to have a team in place that can say, okay, well, our team leader's gone for the week, but we can just fill those shoes and pick up right where we left off. And that to me, that's a that's a sign of a really really strong team and the faith that you have in every member of that team, from the driver to the crew chief to the guy putting the gas in the car. Yeah, and. Honestly, when I was, it's great work by him in the car as well, because when I was listening to that race and he came on and said that he's two laps short, two laps at Pocono is an absurdly like long amount of time, like a lot of laps to be, to be short on fuel because it's a, it's a long track. And I thought, oh man, there's no way that he's going to be able to save two laps. I thought he was definitely going to have to pit, and then when he tried to stretch it, when he took the white flag, I thought he's going to run out of gas on the back stretch, and either Dale or Brad Keselowski is going to win this race. And he finished the race, and did he have enough left for a burnout too, or did he come and get fuel before that burnout, or did he actually have enough left to do a burnout after the race? Yeah, he had enough left. That's that's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. The what these drivers can do these days to stretch fuel is just something that didn't even exist 20 years ago. I mean, they're shutting the engines off, coasting under caution. They're doing things with shifting and, and the throttle like while they're ra- actually racing. I mean, they can save so much fuel when push comes to shove now. It's, it's so impressive. Yeah, it really is impressive. And let me just paint you a picture of a week ago when you were down here and we went to play Frisbee golf. And my car was on dead empty to the point that we were sputtering. 
And yep. I nursed that thing. We had to get on the highway, and the power cut out for a second. And I thought, oh, boy, we're going to be walking. It's like 95 degrees out. Tom's not going to be yep. happy. But yep. we made it. But at the same time, yeah, I know. I, could, I couldn't believe we made it. At the same time, I didn't have Dale Jr. and Chase Elliott in my rearview mirror honeymoon. <laughs> so That's true. It was a little easier for me to save fuel, but yeah, impressive. Dude, That that is you almost running out of gas. I mean, your car sputtered, sputtered multiple times. That is the most us thing to ever happen. <laughs> we left your house having no idea where we were even going, and then halfway on the way there, you looked down and you said, oh, Oh, I'm almost out of gas. I I need to get gas. And I said, "Well, I said, are are you going to make it? Are you okay?" And you're like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll be fine. No worries, no worries." And then we keep driving and we're getting close to the frisbee golf course and you're like, "Man, I'm starting to get pretty worried about this gas situation." I'm like, "I thought you said you were going to be fine." And you're like, "Well, I thought I was." And so, of course, we don't pass a gas station on the way to the park. And uh, we don't pass one when we leave either. So, <laughs> nope. You it started sputtering those, right as we left. It was one of those situations. I looked down, and at the moment I looked down, it was on dead empty. And I was like, okay, well, I've been here before. If it stays there, we're good. But we drove another two miles, and somehow in those two miles, we were now way below dead empty. And, oh, yeah. I don't know how. I still don't know how we made it, but. I definitely thought you and I were going to be walking under the Carolina sun on the side of the highway. And, you know, oddly enough, that wouldn't even have been the first time in our friendship <laughs> that we have been walking along the side of a highway together. So, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, we still oh, had man. enough for a burnout when we got to Sheets, too. Victory, <laughs> victory gas station burnout. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So do we want to briefly, I mean, we haven't had a podcast in a couple weeks. I guess we should just really quickly go over the Coke 600. Uh, to be honest with you, there wasn't much to say about it. I mean, that was <laughs> our my third race of the year, your second race of the year in person. And, oh, man, I mean, I feel so happy and so glad for Martin Truex Jr. Mm-hmm. that he finally won. But I'll be damned if he didn't make that race so incredibly boring to watch. I mean, it was just total domination from start to finish. I've never witnessed anything like that. And the whole time, I th- I feel like you're just waiting for something to go wrong for mm-hmm. him. And finally, it didn't. And they put everything together. And good for him. But overall, <sighs> terribly not thrilling race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At least for me, that was by far the least entertaining race of the year. And But like you said, you have to be happy for Martin Truex Jr. Finally got the monkey off his back, um, got it right, and not only got it right, but just in complete, complete dominant fashion. And But it wasn't just, it wasn't just the fact that he dominated that race. It was the fact that nobody it, was passing to anybody. Basically... The top 10, I after the first like 20 laps of that race, the top 10 barely changed the rest yeah. of the race. There just wasn't a lot of passing. But Well, and part of that's the track. Charlotte is yeah. just not a great track for 
night racing. When it's hot and it's in the middle of the day and the track is slick and there's more off-throttle time, sure, there's a lot of passing. But a lot of those mile-and-a-halves, unless their track surface is just really worn out and it eats up the rubber on the tires, it, they just they don't produce great racing a lot of the time. And that's just kind of the way it is. Yeah. Yeah, but man, we still had a great time. Uh, I think I think the race was typified or t- t- oh my gosh, I don't even know the word I'm using. Uh, I think the <laughs> race was summarized perfectly by the the gentleman next to us who, for about fifty laps or so, uh, passed out um, in the in the stands. There took a little snooze fest, but I know I can't he, believe <laughs> I bet he I know. was having a great time earlier in the day for sure. <laughs> I bet he was drinking a lot of beers earlier in the day. <laughs> I, I have an inclination. You are correct. But, <laughs> yeah, man. That's just um, what NASCAR races are all about. We went down there, saw a crappy race, but still had the, the time of our lives. Yeah, yeah. That's right, man. I had I had a great time for sure, and I'm I'm looking forward to the next one. I'll be. I think we'll both be at the Bristol Night Race, and then mm-hmm. we'll we're going to uh, Darlington together. So it'll be sweet. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so listen, unfortunately, this is going to be our last podcast for a couple weeks again, because we are not going to be able to do a podcast next week because I will be somewhere on a beach, uh, drinking, drinking something strong. So (laughs) I will, (laughs) so we will have no time for a podcast next week. Uh, which is unfortunate considering we've been so busy the past couple weeks. And then the week after next week where um, NASCAR has its second bye week of the season. So we probably won't have one that week either unless we can think of something to talk about. So um, it's going to be a crazy couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah. We could do a Cavaliers podcast. That would, that might be a good time to do one of those if they're still, I don't even no, know. No, dude, that's be... gonna that's gonna be no, that's gonna be depressing. They're, I don't want to do that. It might that. be a good release for us, you know. After after <laughs> last night's performance, I'm gonna need some to go see my therapist. The uh, the, the lug nuts and Cavaliers podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, oh well. Well, but who uh who you got next week, buddy, at Michigan? I. This is I I didn't think about this too long because. It just made sense for me, and we've talked about it already. He's been running well, uh, all these top 10 finishes, and he's got a lot of momentum from having a good race this week. I think Kurt Busch is going to win again. He's going to defend his title. He won there last year. Um, Yeah, I I think this one's his to lose. What about you? Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, that's a good choice. Uh, One other crazy fact that I heard about Kurt Busch today is that he has now won at Michigan and 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 also Pocono now in three different manufacturers. Huh. He has won there with a Ford, with a Chevy, and with a Dodge at all three tracks. Don't matter what car he's driving, he's gonna win. Doesn't, but you can you can put him in a a, a, a three wheeler, man. Put him on a bicycle. He, he's gonna win that thing. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I would like to see Kurt Busch pedal 400 miles on a bike at, at Michigan. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I don't wish anyone having to be in Michigan for 400 laps of anything just because that state is so forsaken. But if you got to be well, there, 
might as well win while you're there. Well, the, the crazy thing is Michigan is the closest track to me. And people always ask me, why have you, how have you never been to Michigan? You travel all these distances for all these races and you've never seen a race in Michigan. And I just say, it's because I hate Michigan so much. <laughs> that's, that's exactly <laughs> No, on, honestly, it's just completely by chance that I've never been there. I got to, I got to get my ass up there to see a race soon. Eh, you don't have to. It's okay. <laughs> I wrote, I, I have a calendar on my fridge that I write all the races down every, every uh, Sunday or Saturday where they're going to be. And for this one, I didn't even put Michigan. I put meat chicken, uh, like two, <laughs> two separate words. And I guess that just goes to show how how strong my Ohio State fandom goes or that's ridiculous. But uh, that's right. Um, <laughs> well, listen, I'm going to I'm going to stay in the same shop. I'm going to pick Kurt Busch's teammate. I think Kevin Harvick is going to get his second win of the season. I would love to pick Dale Jr. since Dale's had some success at Michigan and he had mm-hmm. a good run today, but I just I haven't seen enough yet out of the Hendrick cars. I, I don't know if they're back yet. I think what we saw at Pocono was a good sign for them, but I think they just still have a little bit to prove before anybody can be confident, really confident in picking one of those cars other than Jimmy Johnson. So, yeah. um, all right, buddy. That's it for for lug nuts and beer this week. It's been great. I can't wait to get back and and do another one. Right on, buddy. Let's uh, let's send them off here. Bye, everybody. See ya.